Forrester. Down the line to right. It's gone! Garrett Forrester walks it off for Oregon State! What happened? He just like benched like five of the starters. Four of them were all Americans. Big hit pop. Did he just do it? Yes, he did. This is loaded in the NCAA tournament. And he sends a drive to deep right. Elko, Grand Slam. Beer showers about. McGarry's 2-2 pitch to Lanzilli. Strike three called, and Virginia has completed a no-hitter tonight. Pushes a bunt to third. James to first. Hayes out. What a way to end it. And what a way to end a drought. Mississippi State, the national champions, destroying Vanderbilt 9. What's up, college baseball fans? Welcome to the weekend number three recap of the college baseball season. Hey, we got the gruesome twosome back. Just me and Dimitri, Stoney and Dez, boots on the ground at Minute Maid Park right now. Still at the LSU versus Baylor game. It's almost midnight Eastern time. So Dimitri and I were just like, let's roll with it. We got the okay from Stoney and Dez. Um, they'll be able to participate by text message if anything happens during the game they're going to let us know but man what a we don't need their approval what are you talking about yeah i mean this is the same thing that we did in 2020 together in 2021 obviously i love don't stoney and des being a part of the show but I oh, mean, absolutely absolutely hey we're comfortable we're, we're one-two punch right now so back to the original roots of 11.7 just dimitri and myself dimitri just went and grabbed a beer miller light I said, hey, you know what? I want to be fun Sunday night. I grabbed the closest thing that I had to a beer, which shout out to my pregnant wife. It is a zero sugar, zero <laughs> caffeine, Canada dry ginger ale. Canada's finest. Wait, I, ben, you don't always have like some beer stock? I, I don't. I'm not, not right now. No. Damn. My, I always <laughs> have at least one. My choices for tonight's beverages was either... Zero sugar Canada dry or egg whites. There was a carton of egg whites in there or almond milk. <laughs> I mean, dude, the married life is crazy, especially when a week from today I'm having my first child. So cheers to that baby Brooks. He's going to be born. And but don't worry, fellas, I'm still going to care a lot about college baseball right in the heart of the season. Before I forget, speaking of Dad and Stoney and producer Josh. What a, what a, okay. Stoney, I don't know. Stoney didn't do anything this weekend. He just kind of tweeted, ate some bad food and got sick or whatever. He didn't do anything. Dez was all, all on it. Yeah. So, and so Stoney, look, look. Apollo, shout out to Apollo though. Those videos you guys saw on our Twitter that were like non broadcast videos were all them. And they all were the hype sick. videos from Texas and LSU. That were, video was um, so sick. All of them were unbelievable. Shout out to Josh and the whole Apollo video crew. They had a, three or four media passes. Now, let's let's take a step back here. Thoughts and prayers to Stoney. Thoughts and prayers to Stone Cold Strength Man, Stone Cold Apollo Stoney, because the kid was battling this weekend. He flies in from Huntsville, Alabama to Houston for the Houston College Classic. And sure enough, the first day he's in town, they eat at Biggio's Bar and Grill, and he gets 
I'm using Dez's words here. He gets pale white, lose, looks like he lost 20 pounds, and I mean, he's 170 pounds to begin with, and was battling a stomach buck, got food poisoning, and was unable to make the, the trip to the games on Saturday. Apparently, he was on the IL. But he bounced back today on Sunday, uh, toughed it out, and, and enjoyed his time at Minute Maid Park. Dez, on the other hand, was just kicked back, relaxed in the front row of the Diamond Club section right behind home plate, living the bougie champagne lifestyle that Dez loves to live. Meanwhile, we got Josh and the uh, Josh in and the, the rest well. of the media crew in the in the camera wells grinding away. So a lot was going on with the Apollo guys. Demetri and myself, we were just chilling over here in Georgia, keeping track of all the games. But I know we already gave one shout out out. Shout out out. That's a weird phrase to say. Sh one shout out out. <laughs> wow. Um, one shout out out. But hey, shout out to you, Dimitri. All the video clips you came up with this week and 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 just grinding away from 12 p.m. to 12 a.m. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, getting the, the content that people want to see on social media. All of the video clips were incredible, and and I think we saw a lot of it pay off because we grew by over 5,000 followers in three days on Twitter, and our Instagram grew like crazy, and it just led more people to our podcast, and the Dallas Braden interview was was one of our better podcasts of one, the year, numbers-wise. One of my absolute favorite. What a, it, it, what a person. I love that guy already. He's one of a kind. God doesn't make people like Dallas Braden. He's just he, he's so unique, but so funny, um, but still down to earth. He's he's not arrogant or cocky. Um, no, dude, he was just a funny. I feel like mm -hmm. I feel like I've known him before that. Part. I feel like I've met him before. I've known him, and you could never you could never tell that guy he played in the big league. You can never tell. He, you just seemed like he was the dude that just loved baseball. Big locker room guy. You could tell from the yeah. from the start. Just someone that everybody gravitates towards. So if you haven't listened to that interview, we released it Friday. If you had a busy weekend, highly recommend going back and listening to that one because it is laugh out loud funny. Um, but, man, let's go ahead and move towards what happened this weekend. Obviously, we just released our mid-major top 25 on social media, and that always creates such a good buzz in the college baseball community. Because you start seeing the guys that don't have the the followers that the the big time programs have. You, you see kids retweeting that play at schools like Sacramento State or Illinois State. They, they, Alabama, they get, Birmingham, UAB. They feel loved and they feel appreciated uh, for all the hard work. Because guess what? These kids go through the same off season that everybody else goes through. Whether you're playing at University of Florida or you're playing at Florida A and M. They all go through the same offseason. They all grind for, um, you know, to, to play a successful season. So we love doing that. I believe it was your idea, Dimitri, um, back in 2020 to start that. And it, it's one of our more successful things. Mid-major. literally my baby. It, it's Dimitri's baby. He, he's it's yours too, it. not just mine. It's our well, baby. It, it, it gets me excited every Sunday night to sit on Skype or sit on Zoom or we're on Restream right now. But just crunch through the numbers, crunch through the schedules, the quality wins, the, the quality losses, and, and put the teams from 1 to 25. So we'll give a little teaser here. It's without question that Liberty is number one. The Flames, no 10 and 1 this year. 
and they they have a series win against Florida. So and they have they have the home run leader, and they do have the home run leader. Yes, Derek Orn- Orndorf, right? Orn- Orndorf. Orndorf. Derek Orndorf. Derek Dingers hit his 10th home run today. Dinger. So he's the first double-digit Derek right now. 10 Dingers. And the Flames, we saw them last year come on the scene as a very, very talented team. And they, I believe they ben. won seven or eight ACC games last ben. year. They're 10-1. They're and one. Do you know which game they lost? It was the opening day game against opening Florida. Opening day against Florida. And then they came back and won two out of three. So Liberty, if there was a in Cinderella story. In 10 straight. Yeah, 10 straight. If there's a Cinderella story to pay attention to, or if there's a mid-major team that you want to follow, the Liberty Flames are always on ESPN+. Plus. They're they're always playing against big-time schools. They don't play a cupcake schedule. They, they play some – like this weekend they play some cupcakes. But for the most part, yes. Right. Um they but try to schedule. That's that's the key word. They, they try, try to schedule. And they travel, too. So Liberty's number one. And then we had a new number two team in, in the mid-major poll. It was Texas State, who comes off a huge series win at Arizona. And the Bobcats were a team that were kind of on our radar, radar last year and kind of on our radar early this year. But you would have, I would have never guessed they would be our number two team in the country no, never. at this point in the season. Um but you know there were some new teams that made the list. Our my Mercer Bears made it after a, a midweek win against Florida State. Florida. They're eleven and one this year. UTSA Roadrunners are in it. Pepperdine made the jump into it after a, a great weekend. So highly encourage you guys to check out our social media feeds and look at that mid-major top twenty-five. And well, I'm I'm so sorry. The mid-major power rankings. We got yelled at last year, Dimitri. You remember that? Yep, a little copyright trademark infringement. Yeah, we didn't realize there was a copy mark or copyright trademark uh, for the phrase "mid-major top 25. Some college basketball company owns it, and they yeah. DM'd us and said, "Hey, you guys need to change your name. We own the we own the ben, rights to this." Of of your top, let's just say of the top ten of that mid-major. Could you could you see one or two regional hosts in there? No, not this year. No, no. I really do think last year was the year because the ACC beat up on each other. Big Twelve was very top heavy, um, and then the the West Coast was terrible. But dude, I think I think the West Coast, especially in the mid major area, mm-hmm. um. It, it's rough right now. I mean, I'm not saying that they're bad this year because we don't know yet. It's still early. But yeah, but I see ha- what you're saying. You know, Fullerton has struggled. They're two and eight this year. Uh, UC Long Irvine, Beach, Long, Beach, Long Beach, Beach, Mississippi State, which at the time we thought would holy shit, what a weekend, <laughs> right. what a weekend for the dirtbag. And then they go and get swept by Sacramento. And then they go and lose another game. And then Mississippi State lost. So. Now you're confused. Now you're confused. Is Mississippi State not good? Is Long Beach not hey, good? Like, this is going? why we we have always preached on this podcast and with the 11.7 brand. Pre-season. Preseason polls are so pointless. They're so stupid. They're so stupid. And and, and people just fall in love with them and, and want to build up the hype, which I don't blame them. It gives them something to look at. Don't get me wrong. To. If I'm if I'm at UCLA. And preseason polls come out, and we're ranked number one. 
I'm like, let's fucking go. Can't wait for the season. UCLA number one. Can't wait. But at the same time, they are so stupid. They are so stupid because week two, let's just say UCLA gets swept week one or goes one and two. They lose the series, they get one game. Week two, they're they're now they're like number four or something, right? They dropped to number four. And it's all. But maybe, but they're, but we don't know. They could be the. 20th best team in the country but they're number four because they were number one in the beginning right that's why i think a ranking should at least wait one week two weeks you, it, nothing will beat the eyeball test nothing will beat the eyeball test you can look at a team on the field and say okay do they have the pieces to win at 40 games this year do they have the pieces to host a regional if if you are just going to their fall practices or their spring practices and scrimmages and you say, wow, these guys look really good playing against each other. It doesn't mean they're good. So, I mean, I mean, I mean prayer up to Landon Sim. He got hurt today. That's an example like of mm. things you can't control. Now, Mississippi State just lost their best pitcher, their their rally cry. The, he, I, I would say the nation's best pitcher. He, and, and nothing has been not, confirmed yet. Let's not speculate. There is speculation going on that he could have torn something in his arm, most likely his UCL. But I have not heard of any uh, x-rays or MRIs or anything coming back. I think they're going to take it slow. But he struck out like 10 of the first 11 batters he faced against Tulane. Literally, literally the first 10 of the first 11. And I watched the video. He threw a pitch and then did the shake. Mm-hmm. I, I know exactly what that. Well, is. yeah. So tell tell the listeners about your experience because did you tear yours twice or just once? Just once. And what what's but it feel like? The, how, how do you know? I threw a pitch, and I felt a, a pull. Like Ben, when you when you're running and you feel like your hamstring just pulls, but that's it every nothing. time for me though. Okay, <laughs> like it pulls to a point where like you feel like a pull rather mm-hmm. than a stretch. It pulls. And then you're like, whoa, that was really weird. It, it feels like a rubber band just got pulled really far. And then so I said, I said, screw it. I'll throw, I'll throw another one. This is in the middle of the game. Mm-hmm. I throw another one, and it pulled more. And I'm like, fuck. And then I threw one last one, and I kind of went, I kind of did one of those like, like with my the shake, hands. yeah, and just like just try to shake it out. And I think Sim skipped the first two steps because some people just pop. And that's really painful mm-hmm. where people fall to the ground. You've seen those videos. Yeah, it, it hits the nerves and it pulls the nerves and it just your whole arm feels I terrible. Think, I think Sam, like like you said, don't want to speculate, but from I'm ninety-nine percent sure. You're you're a Thomas Jonathan survivor. Tommy I, John, you survived. Yeah. So ninety-nine percent sure he if if he he I think he he he, if he didn't completely tear it. He is partially torn because the first thing that they're going to do, they're going to probably maybe diagnose him with the MRI of the flexor strain, which is very possible, by the way. Mm-hmm. Very possible that he only strained his flexor. Well, but, I think you're giving it a 0.1% possibility because you just said 99.9%. <laughs> but, but anyway, long story short, he skipped the first two steps of the stretching and like the, whoa, what was that? To oh shit, like something just happened because he didn't pop, but he didn't get the pre-stretching. Yeah. So he, he like went straight to the middle, shook it out and said, oh fuck, I, mm-hmm. I, 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 it, this sucks for him because 
I mean, dude. He's he, he's the nation's best pitcher. Yeah, and they just stretched him out to be a starter. And it's kind of ironic because what Mississippi State has been missing is the back end of the bullpen. And we saw them give give up an eight-run lead to Tulane in the last three innings on Saturday. And, and the then, bullpen was supposed to be their strength. Yes. So when like, you get rid of a Landon Sims that can go three or four innings out of the out of the bullpen like they had last year, and it's so funny because, of course, people are going to say, well, he's given us six innings in the starting rotation. We build a big lead for him. All right, but at the same time. Teams lock in after the sixth inning. Yeah. Teams say, oh, Those shit, we need three outs just get so runs. much harder. Outs mm-hmm. get harder. The game goes on. Your best pitcher or your best two are at the end of the game. I mean, yep. don't get me wrong. Starting pitching is super important, super important. But bullpen win championships. Yep. Yep, so, yep, yep. Anyway, speaking of that series while we're on it, what a series, by the way. Pass off the two lane, man. They are back for against the wall all weekend. They got blown out Friday night, absolutely blown out. And I thought, oh my God, I picked two lane. This sucks. Like, oh, fuck, dude, mm-hmm. I lost. And then what happened yesterday? You saw it. 99, most people saw what happened yesterday. Freaking Grand Slam. Mm-hmm. Whatever. The two run sack fly, something I've never seen the best thing without ever. an error. The best, the best thing ever. Have you ever seen a, a two RBI sack fly without an error? The, I think I've, I don't know when or where, but I think I remember seeing a guy diving into the warning track, into the wall. Um, I don't remember when it was, but the guy dove, he was running back, yeah. dove into the warning track, caught the ball into the wall. And they tagged, and that's normal. Like deep, the gaps are deep center. It's very possible yeah. because that's a long throw, plus another relay throw from the shortstop to second baseman, whatever. But that thing that was so electric, so electric. The the crowd, my hat, I tip to the two lane crowd. They showed up in New Orleans. Now let's rewind a little bit here because we we saw a preview of this last year at Mississippi State. Tulane and Braden uh, Oltoff came into town and they they won a game, but they should have um, – honestly, they should have swept Mississippi State, in my opinion, last year. It was all really, really close games. And um, we I remember last year on the podcast, and we can pull the tapes, but I remember either you or me mentioning, hey, next year they're going to Tulane. That's going to be a tough series. It was a little preview of that. And now Tulane is sitting at 10-2 and two on the year by far the favorite right now in the American conference because East East Carolina has been down. No, 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 no. East Carolina is back. They have it's won so like tough. six or, they've it's won so like seven straight. Say. They beat Maryland today. They've got the mojo back. They've got the mustaches back. They're they're singing and dancing, putting cones on their heads. East Look, I hope fun. they're back. I, I have them in Omaha for the first time in program history. <laughs> I don't want to say I think Tulane is the better team, but East Carolina it, they'll be fine. Yeah, but it was it was a hell of a series, and now Tulane's going to have a little bit of a target on their back. They 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 come, didn't they? So the week before, they beat Louisiana Tech two out of three, and it was the same thing. They lose on Friday, and then Saturday, Sunday, or no, it was a doubleheader, I believe, on Sunday that they won both both games. So huge series win last week against Louisiana Tech, and then they come into this week and and beat Mississippi State two out of three. So Tulane, uh, not classified as a mid-major by the 11.7 rule book, but... And by Kendall Rogers. 
Yeah, and by Kendall Rogers. We have the clip <laughs> where he said they're a high major. Um, but yeah, I mean, they they definitely deserve a spot in the top, I would say the top 20, maybe top 15 in, in all of the rankings. But obviously, there was way more series going on other than this one. And and, and also the college classic, the Shriners College Classic in Houston was incredible. Let's go ahead and talk about that because there was just so many so many viral clips coming from that series and it starts with the first game of the of the series and it was UCLA against Baylor and our boy Tyler Thomas went eight and two thirds he was one out away from a complete game shutout and I believe it was a pinch hit home run UCLA hitting the Crawford boxes no 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 no, no. they hit the home run earlier in the game no no no. they hit the home run in the ninth Yes, they did. Yes, they did. Yeah. Yes, they did. Um, yes, they did. Yes, they did. But Baylor comes out and and they win. It was very close at the end. UCLA had a little ninth inning rally. Run up the, um, on second. Yeah. Um, he, he no, it was bases. Yeah. Was it bases loaded? It yeah. was. They had runners in scoring position. That's all I remember. But yeah, so that was the first game. It was a nail biter. Really close, high intensity. But the game went by quick. And then game two was Oklahoma versus LSU, and. I'm blanking on L- uh, Jordan Thompson from LSU hits a walk-off home run, but Oklahoma was in control the whole game until about the seventh, eighth, ninth inning. Um, Oklahoma looked like the real deal, and, and sure enough, Oklahoma gets smacked the next two games on Saturday and Sunday. And they, they looked out of it, but LSU finally – something clicked in the, late, the last third of the game, and, and Jordan Thompson hit that home run – Amazing bat drop. It wasn't even a bat flip. Dude, it was, it was so electric. It was more mm. Hazelair esque. Yes. And and the best part about that was but between out of the six teams that were in the tournament, the four that had the biggest draws were like most fans that showed up were Oklahoma, LSU, Texas, and Tennessee. Um, Baylor didn't travel very well. UCLA didn't travel hardly at all. The and so at the end of that LSU mm. versus Oklahoma game, the Tennessee and Texas fans were starting to come into the stadium. So it was probably at the time 30,000 people because you had the game before and the game after about to start. Wait, what was the what was the final attendance for the Texas LSU game? It was 24,950 or okay. something like so that. So there was no way there were 30,000 people in there. You don't think so? Between the Oklahoma probably, I, fans I think it's and less. I think it's less. I think it would have been because that crowd was at the peak of that game. So I would have said it's like 18, 17, 18,000. Whatever the number is, there yeah. was a lot of people and it was very loud. And um, and I was like, wow, LSU, they, they won a Great game. Great for the that, sport. Yeah, Great but sport. I, I was surprised because it was a very close, low-scoring game. And LSU is known for their offense and, and not really their pitching. And I was like, you know, if LSU can win some of these low-scoring close games and, and have some pitchers step up, they're going to be real dangerous this year. And um, so they, they win that game. And then, of course, the nightcap was was great as well. Now, Texas ended up running away with it, but Te- Texas dude, and Tennessee. Speaking of Texas, man, that's the best team in the country. Yeah, you say that, but then they they lose today. Yeah, but they lost today after two high emotional, high energy game, and they lost a four o'clock game. You know, I mean, the crowd wasn't. I mean, dude, two and one against in this kind of tournament, it a win. Yeah, and well, you know what? 
the, the so UCLA went two and one, Tennessee went two and one, Texas went two and one, and whoever wins this Baylor versus LSU game is going to be two and one. So it was a very evenly matched tournament. Obviously, Oklahoma goes zero and three, but you don't even think, you don't think Texas is no doubt the number one team in the country. Oh no no! Listen, Dimitri, I, I'm a hundred percent on board with that. Oh, I don't okay, think. Okay, okay. Okay. But I'm I'm saying that they they did show signs of of weakness today against UCLA. UCLA came out to a big lead in the first two innings, and Texas couldn't rally and score runs. And and yeah, we saw. I think, but we know but, baseball. Yeah, it's baseball. But at the same time, Texas did the same thing against Alabama the last weekend. They couldn't score runs, and and they were kind of. They were put I, on. I will agree with you on this. Yeah, and, and so they had, obviously, they had trouble. They had trouble manufacturing run when they it, had guys in position to score. And you know what? Honestly, that's not a good sign. No, it's not. But the, their pitching their, staff is unbelievable. Is unbelievable. And I'll tell you the the key stat of why their pitching staff is so good because they held Tennessee to two runs on Friday, and then Tennessee goes off and scores. Blows out like 12 and eight or something in their next two games. And that Tennessee offense is lethal and they were lost at the plate. Um, so it was just, dude, all around. First of all, thank you to MLB.com. Thank you to the Astros. Thank you to YouTube live free. It didn't cost a penny to watch those games when they could have probably charged everybody four ninety nine, and we all probably would have paid it. But dude. what they <laughs> What they did was during the lockout, they said, "Hey, we're we're not broadcasting any spring training. Let's let's get some hype around college baseball, get some views." I think it was so awesome, and it was a high quality broadcast. It mm-hmm. was like it was the high, the best broadcast you can get, pretty much. It, it's so, the best broadcast we've had in college baseball since last June in the College World Series. But no, no other broadcast has been close. LSU, Texas. 1,000% should have been on ESPN or ESPN2 Saturday night. How crazy is that, man? How crazy? Like, like, that, like I mean, dude, you're filming a game. You, If you don't put your camera high, it's sold. it looks like a packed house. Yeah, and, and it, it was. Is, and it's hard to, I mean, dude, MLB teams don't even pack out the upper bowl. So I'll put it to you this way. This was brought up on Twitter. I don't have the guys at, but... So there was 24,950 people. If you took Mississippi State's top attendance from this past year and you took the – I don't remember if it was Ole Miss or LSU's top attendance from this year. But you if you combined them, them it equaled 25,000. And and it's it's like, wow, those both of those stadiums, when they fill up, it looks packed. Imagine them together. So the the amount of people That's that were there. people were there. Mm-hmm. And, and you're right, man. If ESPN could have just – broadcasted it, it it would have been more viewed than and then most of the college basketball games going on now obviously that was the night the duke and unc were playing and coach k was last home game blah 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 who cares but the, these are the type of games that obviously i'm glad it was free i'm glad it was a high production quality because what's going to happen is they're going to continue to to build off of this next year and the year after um, or even the rest of this month right and and college baseball man is is I, I know I say this every single podcast, and I'm so sorry for being repetitive, but the amount of momentum this sport has is unmatched with anything else going on right now yeah. or in the last. The only other thing I can think of that had a, a momentum like this 
was probably back in COVID when the NBA did the bubble for the playoffs and everybody was just buying in because there was no other sports on. People were watching that, hyping it up on social media. There, there hasn't been anything close to the the social media outrage. Yeah, and, and you know what else? You know what else? I need. I, I don't know if I need to explain myself or what, but people are like, I people are like, oh, college baseball is so good, but the skill level is not the same as the MLB. I'm like, dude, no shit, it's not. They get paid million. <laughs> They're the best of the best of the sport. But like, for example, watching that two lane game, guy hit the two run sack fly. Then guy hits a walk-off bomb in the bottom of the 10th inning, and you have kids running all over the field celebrating and throwing stuff and just excitement. Yeah, there's no you excitement. Get, you don't get that. When when, in, when there's an – M- when there's a, the, the only celebrations we have in college baseball that are compared to MLB is winning like a playoff series or clinching a playoff spot or winning a World Series. That's how these kids celebrate. Late, late in the season. Mm-hmm. And, and the best part about college baseball – and what people, I think a lot of people do appreciate, but it's the imperfection of the sport. It, it's very similar to the Little League World Series, how some people love watching the Little League World Series. It's because yeah. you never know what's going to happen it's on so every pure. single play. It's so pure. Mm-hmm. But dude, here's a great example. Tristan Steven throwed an absolute gem yesterday against LSU. Seven inning, like, shout out. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. Six, seven, seven eight strikeouts. When he came off the mound in his last inning, he did a chest bump, threw his jersey up showing Texas, Texas. And then he was pointing at his jersey, Texas. And what that tells me, first of all, that guy loves Texas. He loves Mm -hmm. his school. He loves his team. Because a lot of guys come off the mound, beat their chest, yell, rah, rah, rah. And then they they go in the dugout and they they go about their business. He made a point. To point to the word Texas. Mm-hmm. I am a Texas. This is home. my school. This is my school. And let's fucking go. I just did this for this state, for this school. And in the big league, nobody's going to point at their jersey and say, let's go St. Louis Cardinals. Like, let's go Cardinals. <laughs> let's go Mets. Come on. Let's go they're Mets. Gonna, they're going to go get their Dominican flag or their mm-hmm. American flag, and they're going to wave their flag because that's their country. That's who they're representing. They're not going to go, let's go St. Louis Cardinals. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, you're that, 100% I think that's just right. An example that's a perfect example. The uh, difference in the two sports. Of course, mm-hmm. MLB is the better skilled level product if you're looking for the best player in the world yeah why don't people have the same argument with the nfl and college football people love college football but they're not close they're not close to the the nfl and and the only difference between college baseball and college football to me is tradition obviously there's a few schools well but it's popularity because people the traditions that they they go to school and and they football the one game a week Mm-hmm. And it's a faster, more exciting sport. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, um, baseball is not is is a different excitement. It, it'll never it'll never reach football popularity, no, but I no, really do no, think never. one day it could reach basketball. I, I, I'm I crazy for it, saying that. I don't know. I don't know. But I think more people are caring about college baseball regular season games than college basketball regular season games. Obviously, yeah, March Madness no. is different. Maybe that's I'm a, wrong. I think that's a stretch. I think that's a reach because when you look at Cameron Indoor, Duke playing North Carolina, Duke playing Syracuse, Duke playing Miami, Duke playing whoever at Cameron Indoor, there's nothing like it. 
And yeah. don't get me wrong, that's the best environment in college basketball. But yeah, but when they're, they're on a different. When you, they're on a different level, though. Gonzaga home game, freaking Louisville home game. I mean, shit. Even go to a Kentucky home. That's just, Ben. That's basketball more exciting. Two hours long, just pure gameplay yeah, the whole and time. And it's indoor, whatever. Yeah, you're right. I, I, so, I stand but, corrected. Anyways, China's um, classic, hundred percent success in my book. 100%. Great quality game, great mm-hmm. competition, a lot of hype, and a lot of damn good talent and good baseball. Yeah, and they and the best part, and I know you hate this. We talked about this last episode. But they released the six teams coming for next year. So people can start planning their trips. So if you're a TCU or Texas A&M or, or Rice, Texas Tech, Texas Tech um, Louisville, and some team from Michigan. Yeah, Michigan. Michigan. Hey, book your trips to Houston. You're not going to want to miss it. Uh, let's, Speaking of that for like five seconds. Looking at it right now, you're like, this this field this year was so much better than the field next year but do tech tech is that a huge fan base that'll travel yeah they travel pretty well there are a lot of people so, that graduate from texas tech move to houston anyways okay so if texas tech and like texas a&m play on that saturday night i would say tcu, TCU and texas and yeah tcu and texas a&m will play that saturday night because that'll TCU, be you think that'll get twenty four thousand people no not even close not even close now in, in my experience of going in this tournament, probably 20 out of the last 23 years, Texas A&M fans travel better than Texas fans, and it's crazy to say, but um, Texas really? A&M fans, yeah, there'll be more Texas A&M fans there than Texas fans. And it's I mean, it's because it's Texas A&M is a cult, anyway, basically. Anyway, moving on, moving on. Yeah, hey, let's move speaking on. Speaking of electric environment, that video today of Clemson sweeping South Carolina. Best rivalry in college baseball. Doug King Moore Stadium. I mean, it was packed. It was past all sold orange, out. All orange. You could hear how loud it was. That, I mean, dude, I don't think people understand when I say Clemson is back. Oh, I don't even up. get me started. I said Clemson was good after no, no, week no, no, one. No, 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 no. When I, when I, I don't think people understand what I mean by when I say Clemson is back. Like, oh. I grew up watching Clemson baseball. That was, that was the duty noble. Mm-hmm. Clemson was so damn good. They had packed crowds, and they are loyal fans. Mm-hmm. And they are loud when Clemson is good. So seeing that video, guy strikes him out. He fucking gorilla slams whatever, <laughs> and the whole entire stadium was already standing up clapping and everything. I dude, they had brooms everywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I say Clemson, that, that video, I was like, let's go, dude. That is, I'd love to see it. Yeah, Clemson back in the early 2000s when we were young, you know, just young pups watching college baseball, year in and year out, they were hosting regionals, super regionals. Um, The guys like Khalil Green and – oh, I'm forgetting the other stud that they had. Uh, Kip Kip Wells, something like that. Oh, Dimitri's on beer number two now. Congrats. Uh, Um, (laughs) But, yeah, so Clemson's back. They've really struggled. Monty Lee – had, I mean, dude, had a had a rough patch there as a head coach, but now he has everything. I think. I mean, how many years has he been in? This his fourth or fifth year. Fourth or fifth. I would. So, so technically, technically, this is the year in terms of coaching rule. Mm-hmm. You give a coach three to four years, get his recruits in, get his yep. philosophy, and you teach them for three years your way. In year four, year five, is make it or break it. Yep. 
So this um, is this is where Monty Lee is like, hey, we either do some shit this year or else I might be out the door in the next year. So yeah. And and hey, let's 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 talk about this. So South Carolina hosts on Friday night the, against yep. Clemson. It's a one, one and one series, Pack. meaning it's one at home, one away, and one neutral site. So Friday night was at neutral at Saturday. Neutral Saturday. Sandwich. Yeah, Friday was at Columbia. Um Saturday and, neutral, Sunday in Clemson. Yes. And so it was packed at Founders Park in, in South packed. Carolina. Packed. And and South Carolina had all the momentum in the world. Seidler hit the game, go ahead home run to make mm-hmm. it two to one. Place erupted. Yeah. And and uh I forget their pitcher's name. He's a stud, and I'm I'm embarrassed. Sanders. Will Sanders. Will Sanders. Uh Sanderson. Strikeout. Sanderson or Sanders? No, Sanders. Okay. But yeah, he dealt 14 strikeouts. Strikeout. The, I don't know how much you watched of that game. I watched quite a bit. The umpire was awful, just terrible. Yeah. Everything you was. Saw, a I mean, you pitch. saw the final strikeout he had. Oh yeah, I did. It was ball. It was up and in on a mm-hmm. on a back door, a backup breaking ball, not a strike. I mean, maybe maybe the angle for all you freaking lunatics out there that want to scream <laughs> camera angle. It got the corner of the plate. Blah 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 blah. Dude, catcher caught it on his left shoulder, up and away, up and in. Probably not a strike, but point is, he shoved. South Carolina had all the momentum, and they blew it. They, I, I don't know if they blew it necessarily. Clemson, or you think Clemson earned. took it? Clemson almost earned it, in, in my opinion. But they, uh, and I believe Clemson rolled them today, and they beat them pretty got pretty bad yesterday too, right? Was, they they steamrolled. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Do you remember that screenshot I, I posted? It, it, the scoreboard said 101 oh, yeah. Clemson yep. to six South Carolina. By the way, that <laughs> scoreboard they had going with South Carolina's little logo in there was so ugly. It was bad, bad, it was bad so production. Ugly, but what a series! Clemson is back for all you listeners out there. Clemson is hey, fucking back. Listen, listen to this, man. There's only five undefeated teams left. Clemson's one of them. Well, out of those five, two more come from the ACC with Wake Forest and Virginia. And Wake Forest and Virginia have been flying under the radar. Obviously, they've hit a Their ton. Their schedules of- have been weak. Yeah, it's been weak, but they've been just offensive machines right now. Machine. <laughs> just Albert Pujols machines. Everybody's getting their this. best swings off. Let me ask you this. Who, are, who undefeated are you most impressed with? Tennessee Tech, and I'll tell you why. I'm stealing your thunder here because we talked Go about ahead. it pre-show. Well, well, all right, let's talk about – Let's name the five, and then so our oh, listeners. Oh, I, okay, I, I know where you're going to go with this. You've got this is your floor, but hold yes. on before we get there. Before <laughs> we get there, you, this, I'll give you the floor on this. Could, <laughs> by the way, listener Ben and I were discussing the show, like little points we wanted to talk about. And this point I brought up, he goes, "No way, I have that point." And I wrote this point three days ago. Didn't tell him about it, mm-hmm. and you'll hear in a second what we're talking about. But before <laughs> we get there. Tennessee Tech, impressive. I'm most impressed, honestly. I think I'm most impressed. Clemson sweeping South Carolina makes them being undefeated really impressive. Doesn't but, it always feel like Clemson and South Carolina split the first two games of the series every year and then game three is always deciding? Yeah, uh, yeah. usually. But Purdue, the, the Boilermakers, Boilermakers are undefeated. I think they're like top five in basketball too. Yeah, you know what I like about Purdue that I think is undernoticed? They have some of the coolest home uniforms where it just says boilers across the chest. Oh, black with white. the gold boiler. 
Yeah, well, it's white jersey and it's like black and gold trim. It, it's a very, very sick jersey. I will always root for the better jersey if I don't have any betting interest in the teams. So, yeah, I like rooting for, for Purdue at home. That's a fact. That's a great story because, dude, when you think of Big 12 baseball, you think Indiana, you think Nebraska, Big, Big Michigan. 10, Big 12. A Big 10, Big 10. <laughs> Indiana, Nebraska, Michigan. I mean – Holy shit, Iowa was undefeated for a while. They're doing really well. Maryland was undefeated. Rutgers, Rutgers is pretty solid this year, too. But Purdue, shout out to the Boilermaker. I think that's the most one, most impressive one, I think, in my opinion. Uh, and it's good because obviously... Texas, Texas, you guys all know, just lost today to lose mm-hmm. their undefeated record. If they would have won today, by far, it would have been the most impressive one. Yeah. Oh, and Clemson Baseball just quoted our tweet. That's cool. See what that's all about. But let me go on. Let me give me the floor here, and let me tell you why this Tennessee Tech story is is something that a fires me up and two makes me sad. Because for the listeners that may be new to college baseball or maybe don't follow mid major college baseball, Tennessee Tech went into a super regional against Ole, Ole Miss. Uh, against no, they won the Ole Miss. Re- no, 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 no. Did they win they the Ole Miss they regional? Beat, they won the Ole Miss regional. Yes, and then they they went to a super regional. And Matt was it, Braga was it, was it Louisville? I don't remember. Well, I mean, it doesn't matter. I, I think. They, I think. It, yeah. Anyway, they won the Ole Miss regional. Yes, Oxford. as a four seed out of the Ohio Valley Conference, and and they had their head coach Matt Braga, who was this young, fiery coach that the media fell in love with, and this was the year that Rice was getting rid of Wayne Graham. They, they pushed Wayne Graham out. They said, you're too old. We need a new change. And Rice somehow fell in love with this new young coach who was just different, kind of edgy. And and I'm a big Rice baseball fan just ever since I was three years old. I'm a Rice baseball fan, and I have no association with Rice. Right. I'm, not saying, I'm not saying I'm a Rice like fan. I'm just a Rice baseball fan. When like, Rice is good at baseball, it makes college baseball so much better. They're one of those like 12 teams that when they're good. Nostalgic. What, mm-hmm. How do you say it? Nostalgic? nostalgic? Yeah, nostalgic. Um, but so so Rice goes on and they interview a bunch of coaches and they, they pick Matt Braga out of a bunch of great candidates to follow in the footsteps of maybe a top three college baseball coach of all time in Wayne Graham. And Matt Braga ran that program into the ground. Bryce went from winning, I believe, 18 out of 19 conference championships and making it to 21 straight regionals. Those numbers might be a tad off, but you get the idea. Matt Braga made that team an embarrassment. They changed their uniforms to these weird Adidas uniforms that look like a travel ball team. And there was no recruiting going on. There was no development going on. There was no junior college transfers, nothing. And Rice was forced to just get rid of them. Just say, hey, I know you still have a contract. They, but had, you... they had to buy him out and mm-hmm. get rid of him. And and they the reason why they had to buy him out is because he wanted to actually go back to Tennessee Tech because he didn't like it at Rice. It was a very bad marriage. And um, so he comes here's back. The, here's yeah. the point we were going to talk about listening. So he comes back to Tennessee Tech, a program that has been awful since he's left. And somehow, Dimitri, <laughs> somehow they're 10 and 0 this year. They are ranked in our mid-major top 25. And they are just absolutely gorilla balling the hell out of teams. Just pimping home runs. I don't know what's going on. And, and 
Clark, is it? No, it's in Cooksville, Tennessee. I don't know what kind of steroids are going on there, but these kids just come out of nowhere and are just gorilla balling people to death. And here, here, this is where let's, this this will get interesting because I want to hear your side. Why would Braga so good at Tennessee Tech go to Rice? Horrendous. Go back to Tennessee Tech and just start winning again. And here's I, I, what I think. Here's yeah, what you I go think. first because I have speculation too. But I want to hear here's, what you say. Here's what I think. From a recruiting standpoint, he knew Tennessee. He built relationships in Tennessee. But my thing is, he hasn't even started really recruiting yet, and he's already ten and zero. So, how long was he at Rice again? Three years. Four seasons, if so, you count twenty twenty. So the seniors that he has right now aren't even barely, barely, maybe his recruiting. Yeah. Maybe. So the regime, regime that was there, the staff, whatever, while he was gone, brought their own guys in. He leaves, goes to Rice, can't win a ball game. Can't he can't do anything there. <laughs> Awful, I yeah. think I think he tried to bring a Tennessee Tech brand with him to Rice. And it doesn't fit there. That's like saying that's like trying to bring a Penn State brand or a Temple brand. And people understand if you get my reference here, good for you. And going to Miami and trying to install a northeastern <laughs> brand, which is yeah. what Al Golden did. Mm-hmm. He tried to create a hard-nosed, different style of brand, which is not doesn't resonate with these kids, the players of Miami. So going back to Rice, Houston baseball players are not the same as Middle Tennessee baseball player, or that's North, a fact. Or Northwest Tennessee baseball player, they don't listen the same. They don't react to the same training. They, they're different people. They're different geographic, demographic, whatever mm-hmm. people. So when Braga left, he tried to, he couldn't adapt to his new environment. He tried to keep the same thing in a new place that doesn't work. Yep. Uh, and, I, I, I think to build off of that, and I think a big part that you're missing is I, I, I really do think at Tennessee Tech, he was allowed to do whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted, and and basically build it the way that Matt Braga needs his program to be built. I think at Rice, there was a lot of people behind the scenes that he didn't agree with. He didn't like dealing with it. So he honestly just dug his heels in the ground and said, okay, yeah, I'll listen to you and I'll show you that it doesn't work and I'll be out of here in a few years because I hate it here. I really do think he hated it at Rice. Um, Hold on. What? Okay, now let me build off of your point. Why did he hate Rice? Because he wasn't winning. If he was winning, he would have loved Rice. Yeah, but Fair it, enough. there's a lot. Rice is a very, very old, traditional school, very political and it, it's a it's a very white collar, uh-huh. very white collar school. Rich and white Braga collar. is a blue collar, wants to you know get down in the mud with people and go recruit his certain ways and develop players in certain ways. Well, the players that he was getting didn't want didn't get down like that. And and obviously you have administrators behind the scenes or maybe assistant coaches, whatever it is, that disagree with his philosophies, and then there's no culture being built. That would let be me, my assumption. Let me ask you this. When when you think when Braga went to Rice, do you think the players that he had to recruit? Because when you're recruiting Houston ground, Houston high school, Texas in general, 
do you think he had to recruit players that he actually probably really didn't like actually? Yep, yep, yep. yep. He was forced to recruit them because mm-hmm. that's where he is. He can't go to Cookville, Tennessee and recruit players to Rice. Yep. And and so, yeah. So maybe well, maybe hey, it's not hey, 100%. There's, here's something that we haven't even talked about. The the academic standards to get into Rice. Oh yeah. Most right. times aren't blue collar type kids. They're not your Tennessee Tech kids. Those are smart rich kids. <laughs> smart rich kids versus uh, I mean obviously kids that go to college are smart and I'm right. not taking anything away from kids that go to One Tennessee last Tech because I don't want to harp on this whole subject mm-hmm. for too long. Do you think maybe if not 100% Braga's fault that what happened to tennis at Rice like I don't I don't I uh, the more we talked I don't think it's 100% his fault. I think Rice did a very poor job doing background check on him and interviewing him. Because yeah, I think they were quick they to pull a, the trigger. They brought a guy in who actually was not the best candidate. And don't get me wrong, when hindsight 2020, but if Rice didn't like him, Braga didn't like them, that means they interviewed very poorly because they brought a guy in who didn't want to be there and didn't fit the mold of Rice or yeah. even Texas. So Braga got out of there. I'm happy for him. He's back at Texas, Tennessee Tech, winning ball game, comfortable. And if he goes somewhere, he learned from his experiences. And I promise you, if I'm a big school, I would take a hard look at Matt Braga in the next year or so, make sure he can sustain his success again. But hey, yeah, I mean, he's proven that he can win. And, so. and I think I think you because he knows what he wants. If if I'm Braga. I get selective with my next school. If I go to yep. a big school, I'm super selective on where I go. Yep, no doubt. Um, obviously, <laughs> all right, we're back from a from a one-minute break. Dimitri did a, a full timeout, not a 30-second. Uh, he had to go put a hoodie on, I believe, something like that. No, no, no. I had to go I s- drop something, and then I had to go pick it up, whatever. Anyway, right. you're going to cut this part out, so it's fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so, so a few other big things that storylines that don't have a lot of substance behind it or that are it's just things that are really cool. Um, Cesar Valero from Sac State on Friday started his game four for four, three home runs, 10 RBIs. Oh, yeah, and that was only in the first four innings. So unreal, right? Unreal. Four hits, three homers, 10 RBIs, four innings. And um, that was, a t- I mean, hitter of the week, I believe, right there just with that game alone. Uh, and then our Abilene Christian against Maris, they on Saturday, they won 23 to one and hit almost a record breaking 11 home runs in that game. So I believe the record was 13 from the NCAA in history and they hit 11. So the Dez's Abilene Christian team played really, really well. Um, we had Hawaii after dark against Vanderbilt, not a ton of substance behind it. I fell asleep Friday night at 1 a.m. because Vanderbilt was just dominating Hawaii. Just two totally different classes there uh, amongst talent. Vanderbilt ends up sweeping, but two fun things that happened. Vanderbilt almost threw a no-hitter on Saturday, and Hawaii almost won today. They only lost 2-1 to one and, and had a lead early. So that, that series was fun. They had a lead to like the sixth or seventh inning. Mm-hmm. The, um, the next thing I want to talk about here – UNC, North Carolina Tar Heels sweep Coastal Carolina, but it was a lot closer than maybe the the record show because Coastal was winning, I believe, all three games at one point. 
and they lost two of them on a walk-off from, from North Carolina. So we just talked about how the ACC has three teams that are undefeated. Oh, yeah, well, North Carolina is 11-1 right now and, and just had a quality series sweep against Coastal Carolina. So the ACC, yeah. I think, might be back this year. Until the- – until they start conference play. Of yeah, and then they're going to beat up on each other again. Let me ask you this. Does sweeping a team count as dominating them? Yes. Thank you. Like, Because this is why. Coastal Carolina got back on the bus, and they were pissed. They, they're pissed. They just they, lost all three games. They got outplayed, yes. So, so when, when, when I don't care how close the games were, if you get swept, you got dominated. Mm-hmm. And 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 for coastal fans, of course, I, I'm I'm speaking off of some interactions we had with fans. If you get swept, you got dominated. There is no if and or but. That's just the way it is. If yep. you lose two out of three, you didn't that that you you didn't get dominated. Now, if you lost, if you won the close one and they get blown out the other two, that might be kind of dominated. But if you get swept. Doesn't matter. You got dominated. Everything in college baseball at the very, very end of the season, it just comes down to wins and losses. It doesn't matter if you played a team close. And if you lost, it comes down to a loss. And that's what the committee looks at. So, yes, if you get swept by a team, it, it doesn't matter if they were close losses. They're all losses. I agree. Um, and I, hey, I forgot to shout out after I was talking about Cesar Valero, Valero from Sac State. Um, Sac State won that first game, but Lance Berkman and the Houston Baptist Huskies win three out of four against a top five mid-major team from last year's rankings on the road or last, last week. week's last week's rankings. And and Houston Baptist was on the road, so I don't know what Berkman did, but he's turning that thing around. They they started, I believe, zero and seven or zero and eight this year. Good for him, man. Good yep. for him. I hope rooting he wins. Rooting for him hard. And then hey, how about let's talk about Texas Tech real fast. Parker Kelly. Three for six, three homers, and two grand slams in one game. And and Texas Tech played Miss Mary Mac or whatever that school is called. Mary Mac. Miss Mary Mac school. And <laughs> those kids probably never want to go back to Lubbock, Texas ever again because they were Texas Tech was put, putting up football scores. Um, I'll say it again. I said it last episode. Hand up. I was dead wrong on Texas Tech. I doubted them. I said they weren't going to be good this year. And they've beaten Dallas Baptist twice. They they did struggle in that State Farm Classic tournament, and early early, early but they've they've kicked it up, and we all know when the weather warms up in Lubbock, it, it's a very big home field advantage for them. Ben, be real quick. You picked Texas te- uh, for the Big Twelve. You picked te- you Stony and Stead picked Texas. I picked Oklahoma State. Do you, do you still think those are pretty good picks? Yeah, but hey, Oklahoma State, they've struggled. They've struggled mightily. They, they lost that midweek to Sam Houston, and then speaking Gonzaga of, comes to town. Of, no, speaking of that series, Gonzaga. They win the Friday first night. two games of the series. And what was the pitcher's name throwing 98 miles an hour from the, the, the sidearm slot? They started him on – on Friday, and then they bring him out of the bullpen Saturday, and he's still just chunking 98. All right. Uh, All right, listen. Um, Kemp, uh, Kempner, what's his name? Kempner. Something Kempner. Anyway, getting major Max Scherzer vibes. Mm-hmm. Oh, major. dude, yes. Yes, I see that. He's the got, delivery and the 
arm slot. Yep. Yep. Throwing 97, 98 up to 100 miles an hour. That was on Saturday. On Friday, Gabriel Hughes, also for Gonzaga, went seven innings, 11 strikeouts. And then they brought 98 the next day. Yeah. Shout out to Gonzaga, man. Hey, yeah. they're number five in our mid major, I think. Number four, number five. Yeah, they're, they're up gonna, there. I don't remember. They but... are good. And that is not a team you want to see in a regional. Well, how about this? I, I tweeted this out on, on Saturday. BYU had through a, they played Thursday, Friday, Saturday last week or this past weekend. And they had six guys hit 95 mile an hour, miles an hour or more. Hey, it, if a team back in the early 2000s had one guy throwing 95, he was dominant. You know, Mark Pryor from, from USC or um, Houston Street from Texas. Now we have teams that have multiple guys throwing mid to upper 90s. And this is not your father's college baseball anymore. This is way more exciting. It's way more developed, way more polished. These guys are that throw 98, 99 miles an hour. They're two, three years in the minors, and they'll get a shot in the big leagues if they stay healthy. Here's what I – if you're, if you're, okay, I, the reason why I can't make this point is because college football had so many teams as well. But when you think of Power Five, like bowl, like your teams that are competing for the playoff and your Rose Bowl, your Orange Bowl, stuff like that, it's a little, there's not as many teams. But when you look at college baseball and you see your Power Five, this sport can be great. Yes. Team, the talent is getting better. The streaming's got to step up. The video quality's got to step up. The TV time on ESPN, on Fox Sports South, Fox Sports Southwest, on Bali Sports, on whatever sports networks there are, it's got to step up, and this sport will grow. Yes. And, because the and, talent is coming, and it's mm-hmm. here, and it's more coming. Yes, and and the, the crazy thing is, I, I believe it was Tom House that tweeted this out last week, the, the pitching expert, and he works with Tom Brady. He just is a he's known as one of the best throwing people to ever go to for whatever sport. He tweeted out, he said, not too far in the future, you're going to start seeing college juniors who are draft eligible turn down the draft because they're going to be making more money in NIL deals. And if you're making $500,000 in NIL at Mississippi State for name Im- image likeness. No, not even, no, dude, stop, 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 stop. Not even – if you are a junior and you get drafted late, let's just sit by late, I mean eighth round to tenth mm-hmm. round, and your signing bonus is a hundred thousand, hundred and fifty thousand. In the years past, you are going. Yes. Unless you're a first round type talent and you fell late for whatever reason. And you think right. you can still get that million dollars, you can still five hundred grand. But if you're making let's just say a hundred thousand, nil deal, you can make more. You can make more, and playing college baseball is way Weird. more exciting and way more meaningful than going to get shipped off to Iowa City to play low-A baseball. Season. Yeah, and it's not even a question. So th- this is why everything is coming into form now. MLB lockout, more people are getting drawn into college baseball. The minor league systems are getting vanished, less minor league teams now. And, oh, yeah, now college can pay players with NIL. Well, hey, if I'm going to make more money playing college baseball – why would I go and play pro baseball and, and not be a part of an organization or a, a team that you know cares about me and, and things like that? So, yeah, I mean, this is, this is a crazy time for college baseball. Obviously, that's like an episode in its own. But let's finish up recapping the weekend. I still have quite a few notes left. Um, we just hit on Gonzaga 
winning the first two games at Oklahoma State, that's huge for Gonzaga. That's a that's a program who um, they were a regional team last year, and and they've built something pretty good now. And now they're showing the world that they're a uh, legitimate super regional, maybe even Omaha contender. Mm-hmm. The the one series I don't even know why it took us fifty five minutes, fifty nine minutes to talk about. How about Northeastern? Just straight up outplaying NC State and sweeping NC State. Tommy there's Tanks. So much, hey, there's so much to unpack from this series. Yeah, dude. Ahead. Well, one thing we, we talked about it in one of our previous episodes that there's just no way Tommy Tanks, Tommy White, can the, sustain. The, yeah, sustain. The league was going to figure him out. Teams were going to figure him out, and he's going to go into a slump. I mean, shoot, he's 19 years old. Freshman. Freshman. Um, and, and Northeastern had some dudes arm, on the mound. Arm, arm. They, they, I remember I them. Who, whose regional were they in last year? Was it Arkansas's or Mississippi State's? They were a no, they were in. Um, I want to say they were a three seed somewhere. Look that up. But Northeastern and, and Tom, Gla- not Tom Glavin. What's Tom Glavin, Glavin's little brother's name? Bob Glavin, John Glavin. Mm-hmm. They were in the Arkansas Regional with yeah. with with Nebraska. Yes, in um, New Jersey in in JIT. Yep. Yes, and so Northeastern, I want to say, didn't they win something along the lines of twenty games in a row at one point last year, or maybe they, they were hot. They were yeah, hot, and they were just pounding teams. And so about this series, I watched the majority of it. Mm-hmm. They attacked Tommy White. They attacked him. Which is fine, dude. People can get on him, whatever. Oh, he was number. No, he is really a. He's a really good hitter. He's a really good player. He's a freshman. He went from normal to the moon. Yes. In two weeks, literally two weeks, he went to the moon. Like, I mean, dude, like the guy, the guy hit a home run every other at bat. Like, it was ridiculous. He was You're, leading like, college baseball in hits, RBIs, and home runs. Okay. Where, where do you go from there? You can't, nobody is going to keep hitting like that. No. You're going to come back down and it's going to suck, but it's, you're going to come down really fast. He struggled. I think he went one for 12 on the weekend. Mm-hmm. He struck out a whole bunch of time. There was a play at first base. Oh, yes, yes. Talk about this. I, I know what you're going with there. Jam, jam shot, blooper over the pitcher, short stuff, field that come across his body, throws the first guy, beats it out. Tommy, bang, bang play, by the way. Tommy White reacts to the play, looks at the umpire. Northeastern sent the guy because it was second and third, two, uh, two out, right? Mm-hmm. right, Second and third, two out. Play a first, bang, bang, play. He reacts, looks at the umpire. Guy from second goes to third, sees him turn around, react, takes off home. Tommy White, his, obviously his catcher, whoever screamed, four, four, four. He turned around too damn late. Runner scored. Northeastern continues to pour it on him. They win the game. They sweep the series. But I don't want to pile on Tommy White. He's going to grow. He's going to learn. He's going to be really fucking mm-hmm. good. He's going to be really good. But don't get too high with the high and don't get too low with the low. Yeah. No, I mean, what I love to say. He, he, he kind of, and obviously we, we're big Tommy White supporters. We, uh, we, we love NC State as a, as a podcast. We love Coach Elliot, what he's, uh, Elliot Avant over there. But Tommy White had his first taste of actually being a freshman and making a freshman mistake. And, um, I don't know. I mean, it, it will really figure out who he is and what type of player he is by how he bounces back. Obviously, he's gonna 
you know, still hitting the cage. He's still going to work defensively. He's a he's a smart baseball still player. Be fine. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. But um, when he's not going, this NC State team, nobody else was going on offense. So I'm I'm going to say, but credit to NC. I was going to say I'm going to credit Northeastern's pitching more more than than NC State's offense, but. If you look at the offensive numbers that NC State put up the weeks before that, the two weeks before in the season, they were almost guaranteed to score double-digit runs in every single game. They were they were right there, double digits or more, in every single game. So um, they come into the week. NC State did last week undefeated, and they lose to Campbell in the midweek and then get swept by Northeastern. So they have a little bit of identity crisis going on. Who are they as a team? How are they going to respond to this? But – Again, talent-wise, they're they're right shout, up there with anybody else. Just shout out Northeastern Husky. Mm -hmm. Yes, Unbelievable. they're gonna. I mean, dude, to go in there and sweep them. Is, is, I mean, just to go in there and take two out of three and get a big series win is impressive. Yes, to sweep them is unbelievable, and yeah. I I don't think there was enough hype over it because that is un that is an upset. That is yes. unbelievable. unbelievable. That is an upset uh, upset alert. The uh, the next series we need to talk about, which was on the on the excitement and great fan presence, we we need to talk about this Ole Miss UCF series. I can't believe it took us this long to talk about it. Friday was incredible. Before UC the whole series started, my pick for upset of the weekend was UCF over Ole Miss. What was yours? It was Houston Baptist and yeah. UCF. Yeah, I said Houston Baptist, uh, Sac State's on upset alert against Houston Baptist, and then I said UCF is going to upset um, Ole Miss. And UCF, the, the crowd that they pulled off there, I don't yeah. know what it is about that school, but their their students are crazy. They, you they didn't do know that? No. I, I, I actually I learned something here. UCF's the third biggest population school in the country. It's the biggest in Florida by 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 far. Yeah. It's one of the biggest in the country. And their right field, they have cutouts. They have cutouts in the walls. Yeah, people hang out in right field. Their stadium is metal bleachers, but the way they built it is sick because it's like a mm -hmm. double decker, but it's small. It, it, it's dude, so it's a, cool. I so was cool. very impressed with their stadium with their crowd and and Ole Miss. Credit to the Rebels because they got punched in the mouth and they were in a hostile environment. They looked uncomfortable. And then they go and hit. I think TJ McCant sits a three-run homer when they were down two nothing to make Ole Miss up three to two. And then UCF comes back and scores. And then Ole Miss goes back to back to back. Tim Elko launches that third home run of the back to back to back, nine hundred feet. And he had that look in his eye when he was running the bases of boys. We ain't losing this game. No shot. They were down three runs Friday night. Went back to back to back. Tied it up, took the lead, won the game. Saturday, UCF shut them out. Sunday, UCF had – or no, Ole Miss took a 2-0 lead. UCF got one, and then Ole Miss blew it open mm -hmm. because they made some defensive errors, a bunch of boneheaded, stupid-ass mistakes, and they lost the series. Mm -hmm. But we were close. We, like, if you if you said, hey, watch this series, UCF can upset them, you would have walked away like, damn, they were kind of right. They, yeah. That was a series to pay attention to. And do you remember the taste we got of UCF baseball in 2020 before COVID? They they were legit, and they had some some major league arms pitching for them. And obviously, they had to rebuild last year because they lost those guys. But the the little Citronauts uniforms they wear, the all black, sick, sick, sick baby blue man. hat, 
dude love it uh, it's like a little alternate ego for them they're not gonna lose all year wearing those I mean, they probably already did lose but um but that series was a lot of fun and and hand up i might have been wrong about old miss as well i didn't think they were gonna have the pitching to be good this year they're 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 a damn good team they are in incredible lineup very deep and and guys like Derek diamond have stepped up in that leadership role um followed up by the back end of the bullpen which is really good west burton's have a good year so far so Ole miss might be i don't know the sec is so deep i almost made a huge prediction but they'll be they'll be, they'll, they'll, they'll be fighting for they'll be in the conversation off. they'll be in the conversation which is all you can ask for as an sec baseball fan but speaking hey. of sec baseball there was, an, there was another ACC versus SEC. There's two more ACC versus SEC uh, weekends. Um, Florida loses Friday, gets almost shut out by Carson Palmquist, your boy, the lefty from down under from Miami. Uh, Miami ran away with that game. But Florida bounced back. And they win the next oh, two. I thought I thought Miami was in a great spot to win that series. You win yeah. the first one, you're in a great position. Yeah, and but they, dude, Miami, Miami just makes too many stupid mistakes, man. They they walk people, they make errors when it's not time for them. They just do stupid things every single year, mm-hmm. and they can't hit. They strike out with runners on. They can't get rallied because they just punch out. Florida dominated them Saturday and Sunday. It wasn't even close. They blew their asses out today. It was over. It wasn't yeah, even so close. so Miami is a non-biased person. I know you're slightly biased towards Miami, but watching that series. This Miami team can beat anybody in the nation. They're it good. doesn't matter who, but they could lose to anybody in the nation too. <laughs> they're they're very. They lost to Harvard Friday night. Yeah, for it, Harvard's first game. I mean, it's fine, but that's that's Miami. They're always good enough to beat anybody in the country, and they're yeah. also bad enough to, to lose to anybody. They just <laughs> exactly. So I mean, it is what it is. Florida's good. Miami's good. Honestly, if you're going to take something away from that series, I don't even know what it would be. I don't know because. You can say, yeah, Florida's really good, but you can also say they beat a bad my the bad Miami team on Sunday. It wasn't even mm-hmm. the good one. Saturday they beat they beat Miami fair and square. They outplayed them, whatever. But Sunday wasn't even close. It was stupid. They they just they beat a bad Miami team. So when you're taking away from it, <laughs> honestly, I don't know what to take away from it. Is Miami good? I don't know. They can be, but I don't know. It's definitely a team you don't want to see. Like if Miami is a, a two seed in a regional this year, then and they throw off and they play a three seed with their with their number two, and then come the next day, let's say they win, and they have Carson Palmquist throwing against the number one seed in in the game two, th- they would look in a very good position to win that regional. So um, for any sports betters out there, you could probably get Miami at like a really good number right now, probably around 150 to 200 to one odds to win the College World Series. I said it, they, they can lose to anybody in the nation, but they could beat anybody in the nation, and it was very clear this weekend. Um, another team I'm really high on, and I've been high on them all year, is Georgia Tech. And Georgia Tech absolutely Great. murdered, murdered Georgia on Friday and Saturday. Now, Georgia made it close on Friday, um, but then Georgia Tech pulled away in the – I think Georgia Tech was up eight to two, and then it was eight to seven, and then it was eleven. And they seven. hit it like a two-run single, another mm-hmm. round, it blew it open. That that offense is going to play all year for Georgia Tech. Now the pitching, on the other hand, they uh, Marquise Grissom Jr. struggled today, walked a lot of guys. Georgia ended up winning, salvaging the ser- the se- series today 
Um, but Georgia Tech still won two out of three against a really good Georgia team, a really bounce back Georgia team. Uh, I put Georgia Tech at the top tier of the ACC and Georgia in the middle tier of the SEC. Is that fair? Yeah, Georgia will be three or four in the East. Mm-hmm. Two, three, four, some, somewhere around. Uh, I would say three or four. Florida They're going to be better than Kentucky think, and South Carolina. I think, Florida, I think Florida and Vandy are your one and two in the SEC. Uh, what about Tennessee? Oh, yeah, yeah. So four or five. <laughs> four or five. I forgot. Totally That's forgot. what I'm saying. That league is so deep, and they, but I think, And then they bounced back today and beat, they whipped Georgia Tech today. But mm-hmm. I think Georgia Tech... I mean, their Saturday guy, Zach Maxwell, sitting 96, 97, touching 98. Effortless. Effortless, and too. He's a big, fat, muscular. Like, I don't even know if he's He's a big dude. He's just a very thick human being. Yes. And, you know, Georgia worked, with, made him work. He had like 80 pitches in like three or four innings, something like that. Couldn't go any longer. And the day was done, but it was scoreless. He did a job. But. I mean, I, yeah. I Georgia Tech can be fucking good this year. Yeah, they are. Be good. I told I told everybody in the beginning of the season I said they finally have an old veteran squad with a lot of at bats under their belt. the The lineup is deep, deep, deep. Uh, the The last two things we're going to talk about before we wrap up the show here. Obviously, Kentucky and TCU played against each other. Um, Kentucky wins a crazy back and forth game on Friday, and I believe they ended up winning the series. But to be they honest won with Saturday, you, Saturday lost. They won the series. I know that. Oh, okay. Double check. But the, the the biggest takeaway from that series is, my dear God, can Kentucky get a better scoreboard on their TV broadcast? Did you that see it, disgusting. Dimitri? It was, disgusting. <laughs> it was a nine inning plus hits, runs, and errors in the top left corner, and it would be the second inning, and it would have just blank spaces the third through the ninth. It <laughs> it looked so bad. It looked like you, someone's nephew, like. You want, made it on clip you, know, you want to know what I thought it was initially? They had their broadcast, and then they had a camera pointing at the scoreboard, and then they <laughs> took that. They took like a like you know like a PIP, which is a player and player. They mm-hmm. took that camera footage of the scoreboard and put it on top of the broadcast. Just copy and pasted. <laughs> so 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 every time somebody does something on the scoreboard, it shows up because there's uh-huh. a camera on it. That's what I thought it was. And like, no, it wasn't. Disgusting. I mean, it was disgusting. a graphic that somebody's nephew made. And, oh, by the way, I forgot, I forgot to mention it. Clemson broadcast this weekend was almost, a, ju- a plus. Almost, almost just as good as the Shriners Classic. It, was, plus. Per- it was perfect. It was perfect. Mm-hmm. Yep. Anyways, Kentucky won Friday, won Saturday, and then lost today. Yep. Okay. Okay. But That's TCU, a big series win for them. That is a big series. I didn't even like realize it, and, and shame on me for not hyping up Kentucky. That's a that's a really good series win against a really good TCU team. I so mean, when you think of Kentucky, we always think that they dominate inferior opponents early in the season, and then they get punched in the mouth against a good them team. Them and Alabama both, typically. And Tip. and this TCU team or this Kentucky team actually showed up and won the big series that they always schedule after they play the infer- they two, three weekends bullshit team. <laughs> and then they play a really good team and they get smacked. That's yep. usually how it goes. And they finally won. Shout out to the Wildcat. Yes. Um, and then the last series here, I don't know why I saved this one for last. It, was, it wasn't it was a great series to watch. And I actually found myself turning the channel here. And no offense to any Arkansas fans, but just wasn't anything exciting. Or they got me excited. And they lose Friday night to Southeastern Louisiana, who kind of was rolling there for a little bit. I believe they beat... 
Tulane or La Tech in the midweek, but Southeast Louisiana wins on Friday, kind of stuns the crowd. Um, and Arkansas comes back and wins the next two very handily. Um, Arkansas continues to win weekend series. They, uh, they, they've struggled, though, on Friday. We saw them lose opening day to, to Illinois State, um, and they lost Friday against Southeast Louisiana. So I don't know. Um, definitely not the same Arkansas team we saw last year, but all in all, talented. They just – I don't know – I'm not that, sold on. I'm not sold factor. on them yet, and I feel they, like an idiot for saying that. But. No, no, they're no. I think they're good. I just don't think they have that it factor. That mm-hmm. like that Texas got the it factor this year. Yes. Texas really has it this year. They have the swag. They have the confidence, and they have. The, they know they're good. Arkansas, mm-hmm. with Arkansas last year. Oh, dude! One more series. Holy crap! How did I forget this one? Let's end on this one. Southern Wait, Miss in Louisiana. I, I was waiting to get up to bring it. I was going to bring it up. I have. How it. did I forget that yeah, series? Listen. That one was one of the most. Hold on. Speaking of the ACC, Florida State handled a, pr- a pretty good Cal team this weekend. Uh, I think Cal won on Sunday, though. Yeah, yeah, they took two out of three. But Florida State's pitching really good. Really <laughs> how about how about this? Cal loses on Friday because in the fifth inning, sixth inning, something in the middle of the game. A player hits a home run and does not step on home plate, and they appeal it. I heard about this. And listen, Dimitri, I don't know if there's something easier in sports, in any sport, than (laughs) touching the bases on a home run. You you want to know what that's equivalent to? Dropping the ball before you cross the goal line. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. It's just on you. It's 100% on you. You fucked up. It is your fault and your fault only. Yes. You can't blame anybody else. And – I mean, at least in that situation, there are people chasing after you. And a home run, it's your time. There is nothing easier than sports, and I will die on this bridge. There is nothing easier in sports. There's no layup. There's no uh, tennis hit. You do it every day. You walk and you run every single day. Hey, my grandma can touch the bases. Do you fall off the sidewalk when you're walking? No. Uh, do, I don't do know. You, <laughs> do you miss a stair when you're walking up the stairs? Yes, I actually I do do that sometimes. Okay, but, but okay, well, stairs are hard, man. You know that. Okay, then you're <laughs> you're making the whole point not wrong because now you're saying it's okay. It, it happens sometimes to miss the base, step on the base. It's not that hard. It's the easiest thing in sports. But you're right. Uh, Florida State bounces back after a, a huge midweek loss to my Mercer Bears, and win two out of three against Cal. I like how they they scheduled that series. Cal comes down to Florida, just. It's so funny because nor- normally you'll get a northern team schedule a-, a series in Florida for three games. Cal, beautiful weather in Berkeley this time of year, just decides to make a trip down to Tallahassee. Just, eh, yeah, we'll get out of the California airspace. But hey. the uh, the last series, let's let's go ahead and talk about this Louisiana Tech versus Southern Miss. One, still a little pissed off at Southern Miss for not televising the Mississippi State game in Pearl. And then they double down and don't televise the game Friday against Louisiana. But I think that was more Louisiana's fault. The Raging Cajuns did not televise Friday night for some God reason. I don't know. I don't want to hear any excuses. But the Raging Cajuns come and show a little bit of attitude on Friday and and win the the Friday game. But from there on, it was all Southern Miss pitching that dominated that series. Um, The guy today, Hurston... Waldner, oh man, what is his name? Hurston, 
Waldron. Waldron was like almost up to 100 miles an hour today. He was teasing with 100. He was 98, 99 with a absolute wipeout slider curveball, whatever wait, that wait. was. He had a curveball and a slider cutterish thing. So he had two. He had a he had a break. He had a big breaking that, ball. As a hitter Hammer. on a Sunday, that is Hammer. the last thing you want to see. Uh, on a Sunday, you're expecting the third best pitcher. Expecting to get some meatballs about 88 to 90 miles an hour, maybe an off-speed pitch. You see that coming on Sunday, and it just ruins the rest of your week. It ruins like you, you don't get to play Monday. You play a midweek Tuesday, maybe, and and you're just you're just out of it. You're, why am I facing 98 miles an hour with a slider and a curve on a Sunday afternoon? The um, Southern Miss Golden Eagles, though, they're ranked high in our mid-major poll, number three. Is that right? Three. Three and and we kept Louisiana Lafayette in there. Raging Cajuns, I think, rounded out at twenty-five. They played a tough schedule. Very tough schedule. They played in that tournament last week with Indiana and and Arkansas and who else? <laughs> Help me Iowa. out here. Iowa. No, no, Wait, no. What are you talking about? The Round Rock Classic: Arkansas, Indiana, Louisiana, Stanford. There we go. Stanford. Yep. Yeah, so I mean, they haven't played a tough schedule. They also. I'm looking. I'm looking at the RPI right RPI just because it, I like to see it early in the season and then look back. Texas one. I I think that's perfect. Yep. Our Ole Miss two, Florida three. Sounds about right. Big series win at Miami on the road. Charleston Southern. I don't know why they're four. I don't know why. You know what? You know what pisses me off about Charleston Southern? It's not even in the southern part of Charleston. It's on the know. northern side of Charleston. It just makes no sense. Rutgers, nine and one. I told you Rutgers is really good this year. Clemson, number six, perfect. Lib- uh, Texas Tech, Liberty, Georgia, Maryland, and then Samford. But it's just interesting. Mercer's at 16 in the RPI, which is pretty cool. That's surprising knowing the weak schedule they've played so far. But anyway, um, I don't think I have anything else to talk about. Any closing points? Um Oh, I know we can we can tease our fans. We have a huge interview coming tomorrow that we're recording. Probably you're going to release it Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, it's going to be with. Should we say who it is, or should we wait until the? I don't want to promise I, them. Honestly, I I don't even like know anything about it. I just know that we have the interview because Dez Dez the listeners can. I don't care if they know or not. Whatever. Dez scheduled it. Dez organized it. Dez got the confirmation. He yes. relayed to us that we have an interview, but I haven't seen a confirmation. <laughs> it's it's with Texas shortstop superstar Trey Faltine. Yep. Mr. Um, Boombox. Mr. Boombox is a, is a family friend of Dez. If it doesn't happen, don't yell at us. We're just we we're no longer in charge. Me and Dimitri Dez schedules that stuff now. So if if it doesn't well, work hold on, out, hold on, hold on. We are no, still in charge. We're still in charge. Okay. Yeah. But hold on. if it doesn't work, it's at Apollo Des one on Twitter. Just tweet him yep. your anger because he is over promising, under delivering. But I really do think the interview's happening. Yep. It's gonna happen. Yeah. Trey Falteen, Mr. Boombox, the one and only shortstop from Texas is coming on. Dripping Should swag. Awesome. Should be awesome. Mm-hmm. Um and then we will te- we will let you guys know who our weekend pick'em guest will be on. Um, sometime before thursday um and then um i don't i think that's about it ben yeah that's that's about it let's wrap it up there we'll be back we'll do a if 
when we do this interview with Trey Faltine, it'll be released as a standalone episode, Tuesday. a little bonus episode that Tuesday. we did last year. It'll be really good. And then, of course, we'll be back on Thursday to recap the midweeks and preview the weekend. We're rolling in this college baseball season. Tons of excitement. We've had over, what, 16 million engagements on Twitter in the last 28 days. 23. 23 million engagements on Twitter over the last 23 days. We don't 28 talk about days. Twitter. Remember that thing I sent you? Mm-hmm. About talking about Twitter on. Yeah. Shout out to Braves Ashland. Uh Anyway, um, anyways, but yeah. anyways, hey, by the way, like, subscribe, um, check out our other channels on YouTube, Spotify, Apple. I don't know what you guys are on. Check out the Instagram. Hey, the more you guys engage with us, the more fun we have because that's number one. That is, number we do one. it for you guys, we it, do it for the more fans. fun. It's more fun to share our love for the sport with you guys rather than just for ourselves. So, the yep. more you engage, the better it helps us out to grow get more eyeballs and grow the sport, but love you guys always. Thank you. Yep.